Hello, friends. Welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we build fantastical worlds together step-by-step with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with dubiously dapper Chris Prunty. Hello. In our last episode, we laid the foundation for Handasa, a city devoted to the god of engineering, built over a diverted river on the edge of a cliff. We explored what makes Handasa such a vibrant and bustling metropolis, with such marvels as floating gardens and massive commercial elevators. On today's episode, we're trying to take this city of bricks and leave it a city of marble, as we continue to develop the customs, culture, and cuisine of Handasa. We're also going to try and patch things up around here, making certain aspects of the city a bit more concrete where needed. Oh, I see. Some puns were there. That was good. And was that a reference to uh, Caesar in Rome? That is that is absolutely a Caesar All in Rome. Right. You'll, right. you'll notice that the last episode I named was A City of Bricks. Uh-uh. Yeah, you don't you don't listen to or read the podcast notes. I can't so I can just read. put whatever I want in there, so it's fine. So, Chris... I know you read. We, we've gone over the books that you've read. The Bible, Mein Kampf, all of the classics. <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, as, a, as an addendum to last episode, it is not chimpas, as the floating gardens are known as. They're actually known as chinampas or chinampas. I'm not entirely sure. We're going to probably go with floating gardens. I, I think so. I think that makes a little yeah. bit more sense to call them floating gardens. So today we're going to talk about Something that we really missed in the last episode, something very important, which is the power structure in Handasa. Also, we've named the city Handasa, which is Arabic for engineering. Uh, there was a couple of different options, but yeah. I figured that that would make the most sense. Debated teacher, debated learn. I also wanted to do of the tree, which I yeah. thought makes sense. But I like that as kind of like, you don't call Jerusalem like the city of rock, but you call it the city of peace and there is the dome of the rock. Right, and there's also the people of the book, yeah, you know, which yeah. are, I, I thought it was an interesting move. No, I got it, but I feel like some people might refer to themselves as just like, oh, I, I come from the city of the tree. Oh, that makes, that actually, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, because yes, it's an engineering city, but I also like the idea that, colloquially, yeah. it's known as the city of the tree. Boom, right there, customs. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you all, yeah, it's like no one, no one outside of New York calls it the Big Apple. Or, oh. God. I'm oh. sorry, I'm sorry. No one in New York calls it the Big Apple. That is always like a... God, it'd be like looking... It's just like, oh, oh, you're a tourist. Right. The other thing that I, I would love is... I, I'm not sure if it happens here in Boston, because I haven't been conscious of it so much, but in New York, it was just like, oh, where are you going? I was just like, oh, I'm going into the city. You don't name what city, it's just known. Well, I, here in Boston, which is where we live, I think it's also important that we live in the suburbs of Boston, but it's we just call it Boston because it's easier and also it's it might as well be. Like oh, we yeah. live we live in the suburbs for sure and I think unless you're in Brookline. Bro- Brookline, Brookline is a little bit different. different. Yeah, Brookline's a little different. I still call it Boston for the most right. part. Just but I, I feel I feel like this is one of those things. People in Brookline are just like, Oh no, no, I'm I'm from Brookline. Yeah. yeah well they're snobs anyway. Oh god, yes. Yeah. on to the power structure i think it's important that we start out by talking about how the how the power structure works in Handasa, specifically surrounding the world in general we were talking a little bit and we don't want every city every town every area to essentially be a theocracy 
We want there to be a wide breadth of options in terms of government power because it makes everything a little bit more interesting. Or not even just like a monarchy where someone, I appoint you as God. You can have a figurehead like that sometimes, mm -hmm. but I don't think everyone should be either the descendant of some prophet or mandated by God. Every now and then it should be like, we worship this God, but you know, we the city is ours still. I like that idea. I mean, I also like the idea of having some monarchies because oh, yeah. I was just do I just took a class on uh, theater from like the Greeks up until 1642 mm. and talking and listening to the power structure surrounding the Protestant Reformation is actually super fascinating to me just because when you have these blood feuds between schisms and religion that are essentially fueled by bloodlines by by family lines i think that's way more interesting mm. than something or i just find it really interesting compared to say like a modern democracy where people are a little bit more reasonable and you a little bit more reasonable <laughs> but at the same time it, it's it's not like that that is a generational hatred gap yeah i, I like mean that. even now i i remember in my childhood there was someone who was a protestant and my dad was just like, uh, oh, huh, how about that? You know, uh, we would have hated each other in the old country, but we don't have to necessarily do that here. And I it was still hated him tension. anyway. Oh, still yeah, hated still him. Hated him. Yeah. He was just like, you know, my dad hated you, so I'm going to hate you. That's that's very Scottish of you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Speaking of Scottish, let's get back to the power structure in Hondasa, which has nothing to do with <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you had said that you wanted to do a one position of power, but we talked a little bit prior to this and uh, the triarch or the three seats. Yeah, we essentially have created a council, a triumvirate or a triarch perhaps, yeah. where there are three seats of power and then there is ultimately one person who is delegated to be the master planner. This is very similar to ancient, or not ancient, but uh, Renaissance era Venice, where there was a doge who was elected by all of the merchants to essentially run the country. In this regard, we have three different aspects which make up every public or every you know engineering work, essentially, where there is the master of coin or funding, there is the master builder or for materials and actually getting the thing built, and then there's the engineering core or the master planners. And then there is someone who's elected by these three groups to essentially run and develop each of the major projects and help plan the next phase of the city of Hondasa. That is where we're going. We think it leads to a lot of interesting because what I really enjoy about this particular idea is that you have warring factions that all have the same goal in mind because you know, the merchants are going to want to play it up so they make the more, most money. You're going to have the workers and the laborers and the, you know, people who are in charge of materials and, and labor, essentially, just trying to get the best deal, use the best materials, and also fatten their pockets as well, yeah. of course. Sometimes they also j just like, oh, man, it'd be great if we could do a work of art that will last through the ages and then people will always remember this. Mm -hmm. And But, you know, every now and then you also need to just build a sewer. Uh, yeah, I actually really enjoy that idea as well, because now that I'm thinking about it, I imagine that the engineers are far more function over form, whereas perhaps the merchants and the laborers are less so. Maybe they are more into art. Hmm. Maybe they are more into something that is aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, I kind of see it as uh, there's like the head chef and the executive chef. The executive chef can have this this great idea 
grandiose, and then the head chef could be like, we don't have the supplies, we don't have the kitchen, and also, that's not going to make any money. It's kind of like Greg Akants and he's, or when he was starting out, where they're like, you physically can't do the things that you're <laughs> trying to do, stop trying to do that, and then he opens a linea and makes a billion dollars. Mm. Yeah. We're going with that power structure, I think, partly because it allows for the most intrigue and makes the most sense in an area that's not going to be particularly zealous. I don't see the people of Hondasa as particularly fervent over engineering. I, I, yes, I think that might lead. To, I think that's a different city. I think that a city who is fanatical about engineering. I actually, I, I was going to make fun of it. And then I thought of like, actually, that'd be kind of cool because then you get into an arms or like a building race of trying to reach the stars. That is the ju- cult of Mars. It, just, right. Right. It just like, what are you doing? Touching that piece of technology. That is a sacred artifact <laughs> and you have not used the proper prayers and oils to bring about its functions. I'm saying it's, it's, it's a cool idea. So I, again, that's where we are. But I think that... We're, we're pretty good in terms of the power structure. I think that was a big thing that we missed last time. Yeah. And the other thing I think we wanted to go over, just to, just in brief, we wanted to retcon some things as well because we were talking about it in between podcasts and the idea that there is a second city or at least half of a city at the bottom of the elevator over the cliff. I, we, we decided to change that. Uh, yeah, we, we wanted to go more with the step format of maybe like a few... Terrace, like yeah, a, like a terrace, terrace is yeah, terrace is below. Which also, there's nothing wrong with living on the terrace. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but also at the bottom of the pit or the bottom of the thing. I what I was about to do before we uh, started recording and everything. I was going to say, what if at the bottom where this water and everything is going? One, you could have. Uh, I think it's called like the Devil's Cauldron of where water just kind of gets sucked down and it's going somewhere, mm-hmm. but. Also, what they're using the water for is to make a quarry. A quarry. Yeah, so they're mining stone, minerals, and everything. And they can shoot off in a strip mining form from there where they find a a vein. And they're like, all right, we found a good source of iron. We don't have to go any deeper, which is fine by us because that means we don't have to worry about flooding. So they're they're literally just digging deeper and deeper. And so they're essentially creating more real estate for themselves and also just trying to find a more mineral-rich resource is what yeah. you're saying. And the water does a little bit of the help for them because, say, it's slowly seeping down and drilling mm-hmm. and eroding. It might open up a cavern and be like, oh, wow. Sure. We found this area that some of the work's done for us. I, I like that idea in, in a lot of ways because eventually, like after generations of this, you're going to start seeing some noticeable fallout or some changes or I have family up in Vermont and they live right near quarry. They live because in Vermont where that area is, it's, it's next to coal mines, quarries, and no, the biggest granite quarry. And so what you do is, you know, for fun, when we're up there during Thanksgiving, we walk around and there are these places where you can just go see, and there are these massive piles of semi worked granite that have just been taught like tossed aside because the quality wasn't there. Wow. Yeah, it's it's actually really cool because you see just like semi cubes and I can imagine that in an engineering based society you I could totally see something like that happen where maybe some this cube shit. Yeah, like sad. what is this? No, get it out of here. And then so there's a massive pile at the bottom or 
in the middle or somewhere where there are these semi-worked or actually That's what might spriggan gangs live oh yeah, totally there's <laughs> definitely some weird shit living amongst the rubble but what i was also thinking was maybe there's a particularly bad master planner one year and leads the city into a downfall or 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 just like a bad hit and so when the rebellion comes you take all of the monuments all of the public works just topple them over the side and so now there is a there's like a pit to defaced monarchs or de, de, or tyrants essentially hmm. because they they don't want to necessarily destroy it and rebuild it or or rework it but rather this is the ultimate in terms of you are no longer are you saying we shouldn't destroy and bring down confederate memorials we should have never erected confederate memorials oh, in the man. first place but when when they do get brought down Maybe they're tossed into this pit. Yeah, yeah. have like a, not necessarily a nice, clean statue park, but I, I, I feel like someone referring to that just like, oh, that's blah blah blah's folly. I could also see it as a place where teens or bad apples, or basically, hey, you want to go make out in the in the stone quarry type thing, where you're going around. Maybe you have some hammers and you're like knocking off the arms of some emperor or, or the arms of some previous invader, because you could also do something like that where this city has been conquered and then liberated. And then they got rid of all of the, the mm. public works from that area that. as well. But also I think it's fun because it's a matter of you're hanging out where you know, you shouldn't be. And you're just like, I'm going to go smoke and I'm going to go hang out with my girlfriend. And we're going to, cause you know, when you're a teenager, you hang out in graveyards and, and you, you smoke. No, <laughs> <laughs> every teenager smokes yes all we all know this every single one isn't that right kids yes don't smoke for the love of god just vape don't vape either don't don't try and be cool just be you if you're listening to this podcast and you're a teenager we love you just figure yourself out be curious you're not <laughs> cool though i'm sorry you're not you're, cool <laughs> be okay with that though especially if especially if you're listening to this <laughs> podcast we have both understood that we are not cool long ago and we're much better about it now as soon as you accept that nothing can hurt you anymore yeah that, no, no things can you know still yeah, can yeah. but it, it makes life a lot easier yeah. that's for sure Enough life the, advice chapter. Yes, it, it, that is that. Is, yeah, thus thus concludes our life advice portion of the podcast. Continuing on to a little bit, a, a little bit more outside of the box. So I like that. I, I've now fallen in love with that idea of the bottom of this quarry or mm-hmm. the bottom of this hole because I wasn't actually sure what I wanted it to be. One, but before we uh, before we started recording, yeah, I feel like I'm being influenced a little bit by what was the name of that show, Edge of the Abyss or something. Oh, the anime. Yeah, yeah. So I actually thought of that, and I thought of uh, Legend of the Five Rings, where I think it's the Crab Clan who yeah. are on the fringes near the Darklands, and oh, so okay. they have these elevators that crank down into the mists where like Oni and oh. and demons live. I, I had a little bit of that in mind, and I thought, well, if you're if you're rerouting the water, then why wouldn't there be some kind of cool mist at the bottom okay. of this? Because yes. it's not going to be all used up water at the bottom of this. At the bottom of this, there's wastewater. It's not like there's yeah, going to be wastewater. Oh, that's super gross too. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be gross, but that's part of the appeal, I think. 
because you know you're you're at the bottom it's it's probably misty as shit you can't really see anything things are slick and there's a fluvial grime everywhere and i just picture like an equal part of like the miners and also adventurer people who come down just like yeah i'm here to protect the miners from the shit that's in the pit yeah well we don't even know what's in the pit mm. i think that we should at least for the time being leave that as a question mark because I think that part of what I enjoy about world building is leaving open-ended questions because you might, you know, like you don't want to stress over something right away only to have you have a better idea later on. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily even have to be the fact that we know that there's dark shit in there. It'd be like, yeah, once or twice a mining crew's gone missing and ever since then we make sure we post at least three guards. Right. I, I Exactly. I think that by allowing it to be open it allows for a lot more variance as well. Alright. With those... Cons. Retcons. Retcons. Yeah, with those retcons and with those patches out of the way, I feel like I should start calling retcons patches from now on, like patch notes. Pa oh, that's actually yeah. not... Yeah, that's yeah, not it, bad. patch notes. So now with those patch notes out of the way, we can get on to the main topic of what we wanted to talk about today, which what makes a city memorable. As I talked about at the top of the episode, I think three things really matter, and that is customs, culture, and cuisine. Well, what th what sticks out in your mind most when you think of a city? The people, but I would say the attitude and the general uh, feeling that I get from people. Like New York, very cold. Very cold people, uh, a, a very, uh, eh, fuck you kind of attitude. Uh, Boston, that is very New York. Boston, yeah. I know, is warm, which many people have told me is just like, what? And I'm like, nah, pretty much when I visit home, last few times someone has told me to fuck myself within about 20 minutes of sitting down. I feel that's only in comparison to New York, though. Because I feel like once you travel anywhere west of, the, of New England, you're going to get people who are just way more friendly. Yeah. So, but it's, it's shocking how friendly you can get people. Like in Phoenix, there was a lady who spent 10 minutes talking to me about her day, and I was just guarded to be like when she's gonna ask me for money when is she gonna do something when she's gonna bring out the crazy and then she was just like well this is my bus you have a blessed day and i was just like the fuck just happened <laughs> yeah it's do it's, i have my wallet my cell phone my keys i don't did she throw a baby at you <laughs> <laughs> i yeah. think that's the thing once you live in the city especially in new england city or especially especially boston new new york you just get used to hard-ass... Philadelphia is another one. They throw batteries at you. Yeah. No, <laughs> seriously. When when I go and visit uh, my friends in Philadelphia, it is actually just like that, where everyone's kind of guarded and like really just hard-ass people. Another thing that I would say is very important, and I noticed it the most when both here, New England, New York, and when I was in Rome, even though all of them have lovely weather, weather. It sometimes impacts mm. greatly the, the architecture and everything. I know some of the stone that was in Italy was beautiful, but it was had plenty of pits and porous, and I was just like, oh, this would never hold up through a New England winter. All of these stones would be crushed and snapped. That's actually a really good point, because one of the things, especially in Boston, that we often talk about is how quickly and how, how quickly and how brutal that weather change happens. Mm. We go from... 95 to 55 in the span of 12 hours. And that's not a joke. Like, yeah. that's actual New England weather. I think that was yesterday. It, we, it, ha it happened earlier this week. No joke. I'll but, wake up in the morning, wear a coat, 
get back sweating my ass off without the coat. Absolutely. That that's just a common thing. And in and in Rome, like when we were in Rome, well, I was in Rome earlier this year. The weather was for me anyway too warm uh, up until the sun went down and then that city became instantly more livable. Mm. And I think that actually you're you're right in a lot of ways because that directly influences the culture of the city because then there's a nightlife. Not just because there's a nightlife but because there's things like risposo which is essentially oh. in Italy it happens less in the bigger cities but especially when we were in like in places around Puglia or around Amalfi Priano is Priano. where we were, and that was that's in the in the Amalfi Coast. Yeah. But everything closed down between three p.m. and seven, or even later in some cases, and that's definitely something that's memorable. Something like that is. Some people hated the hell out of that. I loved it. I was just like, God, we need to bring this over here. Oh, I completely agree. Please. Except they also have dinner later and longer than we do, which also all right with. Right, which actually brings us back around to food, because of course, what do people remember when they travel? They remember the amazing food. I, when we went to Rome, my God, the thing that I remember among the most is this restaurant called Macaroni, which was not friendly to foreigners at all. But my God, the food was amazing. I'm fine. They could talk shit about me all day. Yeah, we we went with a friend of ours who was gluten free. I, I still to this day believe that the reason they turned us away was because we asked for gluten-free pasta and they're just like, no, eat because the next time we went there, this is a couple months later, we were sitting down and this woman comes over with two kids and her husband. She's like, Hey, do you have a table for four? And the owner without looking at her says, no, madam flings a, a <laughs> handkerchief over his shoulder and turns around and then she like looks over into a mostly empty restaurant. And she's she's like, but there's empty seats. And again, without looking at her, continuing to walk away, the owner is like, reservations, madam. And that's it. And we just sat there eating our delicious Italian food mm. as this woman got angrier and angrier and then found someplace else and walked away. Yeah, and my experience with that was, for the most part, is I just didn't talk. I was just like, hmm. Yeah, grunting is important. Yeah, they were just yeah. like, I know that they said something table and I nodded. And then that's also how I drank a liter of wine. <laughs> well, I think once you're drinking a liter of wine by yourself, they tend to assume you're having a bad day and leave you be. Mm, which also went into my grunting. Yes, well, oh God. The yeah. perfect uh, food, food in, the, in, in our city. Let's transition over to what kind of foods we want to see in Handasa. So in the previous episode, we talked a little bit about what we thought would make sense around a river-based kind of ecology. So rice was among them. I think we talked about uh, oxen or some kind of beast of burden in them that way. And also we had floating gardens, the chinampas, and... After doing a little bit of research on the Chinampas, there's a, actually a surprising variety of what you can get out of those. Yep. And what I wanted to talk about, though, what I like, I want to talk about what you think a signature dish of Hondasa would be. And I wanted to talk about what street food you would imagine being in Hondasa. Because those are two things, you know, like when you think of Italy, you think pasta mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And also you think of gelato. And gelato is more or less a street food. Yeah. Grab and go. Yeah, grab and go. Or pizza. You can, like, grab a slice of pizza. That's also a huge deal. 
what is what do you see something like that being in Handasa? So as a typical dish, for some reason, I'm picturing like a whole baked fish. A whole baked fish. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's you're talking about a, a traditional. Yeah, yeah. Like this is a fork and knife sitting down baked fish. Okay, and how can we literally or perhaps figuratively spice, spice up. that up? Oh, yeah, God. exactly. I love it. Oh, oh, absolutely. We're going there. Using some of the things from that, I would see that uh, they would possibly encrust it in salt, bake it in the salt itself, because we haven't determined what this... Uh, either you can get salt from the quarry or you can get salt from the river itself if mm. it somehow has a inlet of ocean or something. All right, so you're saying some kind of river fish with or a salted uh, river fish with served with what exactly are we thinking a curry or because i think a rice curry kind of thing okay yeah like like a kind of like a japanese style curry rather than uh, an indian or a west indian style of curry okay i like that idea what would be your signature for a signature dish i was actually thinking some kind of a stew just because you get, I, I, more specifically, I was thinking like an oxtail stew. Because, if, yeah, first of all, I love oxtail stew and I love ox in general. But more importantly, I think that you get to incorporate a lot of the interesting aspects of the city. Because what do you, what would you have at hand with oxtail stew? You have the oxen already. That's a given. But also you'd be able to have seasonal vegetables according to the floating gardens. Yeah, yeah. And you mix that all in with a really nice stew and different spices and whatnot. And I think that really speaks to the flavor of the city. No pun intended there. Totally intended. Actually, that time it wasn't. I I will defend myself there. All right, all right. So in terms of street food, what what were you thinking? This is actually, I think, a lot more difficult than it sounds. Because street food is one of those things where... What is feeding the workers? Yeah, you can't get uh, decadent. I want to say something that they could take on their trip either down to the mine or something that they could take on the run and eat. And I actually recently uh, was looking up 18th century uh, sandwiches. Really? Uh, yeah. It, I forget the exact name of the sandwich, but it is, for all intents and purposes, like an English piney press. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they do is they would hollow out this piece of bread, put mushrooms, glazed onions, pounded flat meat... And then even some uh, pâté and foie gras. Okay. And then they would cover it overnight. Overnight, they would uh, press it with weights and pots and pans. And then the next day, they would cut it into corners and then they could eat it and it wouldn't fall apart. One of the big things that they were talking about is it was good to be put into a a pack and anything. And I think the historic thing, since it had pâté and foie gras and all that, was uh, we're going on a fox hunt. We need some sandwiches on the way. Interesting. So it doesn't always have to be faux gras because this is for the workers, but I could see something where bread stamped food. In that way, I was actually thinking something along the lines of maybe, oh, what are they called? Maybe like a roti or something along the lines of uh, a samosa, even. You know, like kind of have uh, these little pastries that are stuffed with meat and spices. Mm. I, yeah, for, uh, I just love samosas, first of all. But I also think that would be really interesting. And not only that, you pack them up, and they're basically ready to go and very easy to eat. You know, especially, like, unfurl. You know, you get the steam going. You just 
pick one out, take a bite, and that's good all the way down to the mines. Like oh, that's yeah. not a problem at all. Not only that, you could pack them full of protein, so it's really good and yeah. healthy for the workers and stuff like that. There's vegetables, chicken, all, all of the. I don't know. Well, okay. I, I mean, I'm, I wasn't thinking necessarily chicken, but meat. You, meat. Right, right. I was thinking more meat. Because yeah. like, also one of the things right. that uh, we haven't touched on in this is animals, because mm-hmm. there can be also like fantasy animals, and so you could have you know the uh, the duck chicken lion. Sure. Or, yeah, exactly. If you want to go the Avatar way, you know, just have something like that. I don't want to get bogged too down into the minutia of that because I think that having the idea of this is enough where we can kind of leave it to the imagination. But I also think that it's important to kind of at least give enough of an idea of what you can expect. And not only that, but it really adds to the flavor, the overall livability of this city. And moreover, you can see these workers grabbing something on their way down, maybe an empanada or a samosa, grabbing a handful, grabbing some for the guys, and then they make their way down in the elevators for the rest of the day, and that's what they eat. It is hearty, it is filling, and it, it, it I think it says, I think food says a lot about culture, and I think it's important that you add that, or at least have that in mind, if you really wanted to detail and make your city come alive a lot more. Oh, yeah. Uh, food and culture overlaps all the time. Like, it's plenty of Spanish dishes, you can see uh, a little bit of the influence of if they were kosher or not, and that was just people hiding the fact that they were Jewish from or Muslim from the Inquisition. They were just like, we, we can't do this, but, you know, if we make it look Spanish... That's actually very true. I think that... I, I, and I would agree in that culture and food are linked inexorably like they are they it says a lot about someone's culture so here's the thing that we should decide on what's a stereotype of the food of our city is it too salty is it too spicy does it focus too much on fish because i feel like that's something that uh say this the people of our city go to another town and they're demanding that i want this or why is this cold this is something like ah he's one of those guys i actually want i want it to be just Full of spices and full of salt. I could also see, yeah, salt and everything, but due to the amount of uh, gardens and the fact that you could have a trade network that goes down this river, that they're also just like, what do you mean you only have three vegetables in this dish? I want, I need more. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah, I could absolutely see that. Like, so it's like a vegetable medley, essentially. Yeah. Right. Let's transition over now to the what's the overall mood of the city what do you think so we've we've discovered that these people really like their their spiced and salted foods we kind of get a good vibe of how the people are i imagine in Handasa that these people are incredibly industrious that much in the way that germans get pegged as efficient and hardworking. I can see that being an absolute stereotype for the people of Hondasa. Yeah, I most certainly don't picture them as being some sort of what fatalistic people. Uh, I see them to want to discuss things. I see that as being a very important part of them. Seeing how knowledge and understanding people when they're when they're talking with each other, they want to come to an agreement, and it could be a debate, and they could sound like they're angry with each other, but it's it's just the way that they talk, and like two of them are discussing something because both of them believe that they are right, and it could be something as easy as just like, no, man, uh, Jonathan's down the street sells the best samosas. Why why do you ha- you're an idiot to think otherwise? So I actually love that as well because engineers tend to have this idea of 
every, like everything matters. This is so important. You know, of course they're going to be animated because for an engineer, this means that people's lives are on the line. So I can, we can take that idea and extrapolate it to the rest of the city where, no, this is the best slice of pizza in the goddamn city. This is and the best. Here samosa. is my proof. And, yeah, and they break it down. And not only that, but engineers tend to want to figure out how and why things work. Yeah. So I think that having a healthy debate, I, I can totally it's see. It's not that. necessarily that they're angry at each other. Or two people will go like, I don't want the whole uh, Tesla and like uh, Thomas Edison thing of where two people dislike each well, other. Edison was just a dick. And I, Edison was a dick, definitively. Yes, I, that is not a controversial stance. No, it's it's really not. He was just he was just a terrible person. One of the other things that I feel is important to both debate is also haggling. Haggling? Yeah. I did want to try and stay away from the because this isn't a city of merchants necessarily. I see it as a as a part of it, but the way that I see Handasa is more they set it there as a set price. And you essentially don't deviate from that. Like, it is a lot more rigid than mm. perhaps you would imagine. Just because I think... I, I do want to try and stay away from the haggling thing. Because, again, this is City of Engineers. I imagine that there is an efficient and most effective way of selling something and at what price. Mm, fair, fair. It like, everything's kind of been be planned like, out. How could you charge more than this? This is the standard for bread. Exactly. Like, they can break down why, you know, well, it only costs this much, and it all, the materials aren't even that rare, and da-da-da-da-da. I imagine that that would factor into how everything is kind of priced. All right. We've got a city full of animated, passionate people stuffing their face full of salty, spiced food. I, I, I love this idea. I imagine that it's there's probably something akin, to, and we also, from the previous episode, we also talked about the quill kind of academics mm -hmm. I can totally see maybe an open area market or something akin to the Dutch coffee houses where people will sit down and they'll just drink coffee and smoke cigars all day long and he'll have long debates about whatever idea or topic they want to talk about I can see that being considered really healthy and rousing for the environment yeah yeah I could see that I like where we're going with this. I can start to see the people of Hondasa a little bit more. What would you consider? Let's talk about maybe a taboo. Like, what do you think is something that is, in Hondasa at least, something that you don't do? When in debate, doing something that would be, a, what is the term of that? Is it ad hoc? No. Ad hominem. Ad hominem. When you just attack someone's character. Yeah. So just like, that has nothing to do with this. Right. Uh, or or maybe any logical fallacy like you're get, you're you're going to get tear, torn apart in a debate. Mm. I think that's kind of an interesting idea. Let's try, let's well, well the other ones I feel like have where someone could accidentally do it like cherry picking, straw manning, you, slippery you, slope. Yeah, you can you can fall into those for yourself and not even mean to. For sure. But when it comes to insulting the person and rather than addressing uh. his argument, that's where I feel like someone goes it just like you you dare bring up my it, like i how can i expect to take the advice from a fucking minor i am a scholar whoa yeah whoa sir i actually i think that says a lot about the people as well that the that what matters most to the people of hondasa is less who you are what you look like and more the content of your argument i think that actually says a lot about the people and is surprisingly apt for what we're going for here that's that's a great idea chris 
what else could we go now getting away let's try and get away from the debate aspect of okay, it okay okay um, is there anything else that you could see as kind of a cultural taboo or maybe something that is more common among Handasa? hmm now I don't want to say like water is not necessarily sacred because it's what the water is doing that's sacred and it's not as if it's a rare resource but I feel like waste of some kind should come up because you're very particular you know your numbers uh so doing something that is wasteful can be frowned upon. So maybe nothing too decadent. Like mm. uh, it's to go to live so far above your means to be wasteful. That's where it, it draws the line. I like that as well. I can imagine some kind of some kind of gossip going around where, oh, did you see so and so's wife? She made a she made a dinner so big they had to throw it away yeah. or part of it away, and then. That's somewhat scandalous to the people. Mm. I, I can, I, yeah, I, I really like that idea. I really like the idea that there's some kind of Nona squad sitting around, like, looking mm. over the balconies and talking shit about people. And uh, this is actually something that I, I think has existed both for craftsmen and in plenty of different fields. You don't touch another man's tools. It's something both from what I've seen, like, think about it in uh, D&D terms. It's just like, whoa, whoa, did you just touch my dice without asking that's that's a good point yeah you don't touch another yeah. person's dice in the culinary aspect to go back to that it's just like don't touch my knife and if you touch my knife you fucking sharpen it but dude I've, i haven't seen you sharpen your knife and it's just like yeah i can treat my shit like shit you can't treat my shit like I, shit i i love that idea i i do love that idea because now you're now you're creating this kind of stereotype around the people of Hondasa where they are Perhaps to outsiders, they are very miserly because you have the idea of not wanting waste. So they don't, they're not seen as big partiers, so mm. to speak. And then you also have the idea that don't touch my shit. So you, I can see them from the outside looking in as people who are very unfriendly. Mm. But at the same time, once you're in, and then not only that, but you have the idea of debate where if, a, if if someone from Hondasa starts yelling at you, you're going to be like, this guy's a jerk. Like What's they go into on? another city and they're just like, hey man, it's just like, why did you just touch my tools? I will now tell you all the reasons it's wrong to touch my tools. I, I, I carefully calibrated these. I love this. I, I absolutely love this, that this is kind of the stereotype. We're creating stereotypes as we go along. I think this is fun. I think this is really what, Okay. World building is all about. I feel like we've really nailed a lot of. I this. like the stereotypes that we've done. I, I agree. I think I, that it, I feel like I could. It, it's always good when you get to the point of where I feel like I could role play a character from the city. I honestly, that's one of the things that I think is important about world building and about creating cities and cultures. In cities and cultures that I've built previously, I can give an accent or a, or perhaps a character or maybe just give a couple of lines of dialogue. And based on just those few lines of dialogue, people who I've played games with who know the setting will immediately be able to tell where that person is from. Everyone who's played my games know what a Bastigian is and knows the Bastigian attitude. Just within within minutes, they're like, oh, he's Bastigian. Oh, that he's, arrogant prick. He's pompous and arrogant, and he thinks his culture's the best. And then, but I think... As someone who has played as a Bastigian... He's not wrong. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's really fun because it allows, there's the instant recognition. There is the instant connection that you have. And not only that, it allows to play against type as well. 
What's more fun than playing a pompous Bestigian? Maybe one who doesn't necessarily believe that Bestige is all that's cracked up to be. Or playing someone from another culture who's selfless and believes that their culture is the right way and trying to integrate it. Just like, no, guys, we it's open to debate. Every culture has merits. Who the fuck are you? And get the <laughs> fuck out. You're not a Bestigian. What the fuck? I'm sorry. I couldn't hear you over me spitting in your face. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. I think that adding stuff like in Bestige, if you're disgusted. Yeah, exactly. If you're disgusted or even annoyed, they will spit on the ground at your direction at the drop of a hat. Everything is like that. Which brings me back to Handasa because I can now see. Okay, we have we have Don't Touch My Stuff. And I can also see someone who's the very opposite of that, where in in, in Hondasa, it's like maybe we have someone who's a big party animal who loves to, you know, like they're like bucking against that trend because that's, again, this is what I was getting at. These trends allow for stereotyping and they allow for a skeleton to exist and they allow for some kind of anchor of reality. But it also allows people to develop different characters that you can buck against the trend. Yeah, but you can still find an, an outliner of how to make it work. So say this party animal, he does that, but he also makes sure to donate all of his food to those less fortunate. Right. It's something... still finding use, but people are just like, ooh, mm, and less, at, mm. Right, and at the end of the day, this person who is perhaps different in this way is still incredibly proud to be from Handasa and would be like, you don't talk about my people that way. I know that I have this weird thing about like the partying and the waste, but that's because I grew up there and I lived there and I understand that it's different. Yeah, you don't get whoa, to talk whoa, whoa, about whoa. that. We're not stingy. We're efficient. Right. right. For example, or it's like when you're like in Boston, I've been here almost 12 years now. And to me, what I hate more than anything else is that goddamn accent because no one who is no one who's actually lived in Boston does the accent to any kind of like don't get me wrong that no, I encounter the accent yeah sometimes. that accent exists it's a real thing but at the we same don't time all have it the majority of us the majority of Bostonians don't have it and it's one of those things where it's like oh everyone has the like like packed a cab I, I, I didn't want to say it in a packed a cab out of uh, habit it, it actually makes me angry it actually makes me angry but it's at the same time i'm also very happy to be a bostonian mm. we have great we have great colleges we have great sports teams athens of america i don't know about all that oh uh, no we called ourselves that at one point yeah but that's when we were cooler no oh no oh i feel like when Boston, we were great Again. Is, that, is that when we were great? I feel like Boston's always been kind of like a big nerd. A big, structurally and systemically racist nerd. <laughs> uh, let's just say, Eddie, let's get away from the Boston talk and All get right. back to the point that I was trying to make about Hondasa, which is stereotypes exist. Let's buck against them. They're, they're there to ground your city and your writing in a sense of reality. Uh, I mean, we could come up with uh, customs as far as, like, what people do, and I feel like that might be engineering or tool-related. Like, people want to have a plan. If, if you don't have a plan and you can't explain something to someone else, they're going to be like, I'm not wasting my time. Oh, hold on. I just I just came up with something else. When, when, Hundasa, when people from Hundasa are visiting other places, they'll look at some kind of unstructured, or maybe they'll see, like, a crooked or... Kind like of an like organically a, built city. An organically like, built city that's not planned, and they'll be like, what 
is this? Did like animals you make me? this? There's no right. This is a dead end. Why is there a dead end here? Why is there why is there a one-way street this way that diverts into a what is like I I love the idea that even though even though like th- this is a more freewheeling Hundasen, right? But they come out and they're like they can't help. I, I, I have a wait. Before we go on, I need to ask you. Is this typical of your city where it's just Is this the city of madmen? <laughs> is this the city of the god of madness? Or is this what Chaos? I do not mean to be insulting, but I... Why do you have this trough in the street where people walk, where garbage is just flowing? There's you, shit on the street. What? I, I love this. Yeah, this this is what makes this world building fun to me. When yeah. you get to get into the nitty gritty of this is how people are. This is what anchors them in reality. I love this. And I think that what we've done today is really create... An amazing picture of what Hondasa is as a city. We've nailed down the cuisine. We've nailed down the culture. We've nailed down the people. We, I can now see Hondasa just sitting there on the cliffside. I can see it. I can absolutely see it. I, I feel like I could easily come up with like a, a colloquialism or some sort of... Uh, Aphorism. Yeah, sure. So, something really on the fly that would then fit. Yeah. Do we have anything like uh, perhaps Thulmus? Some kind of, like, holiday that we're missing? I'm sure that, well, I, I feel like we should probably talk about holidays. holidays. But holidays are so unique to each city. I agree. And festivals as well. I don't see, uh, after all of this, I don't see Hondasa festivals. Or, oh, that's very true. Or, or holidays being very festive. or Because, again, it's wasteful, right? Maybe we can come up with something where they use the leftovers from some kind of harvest season into create wreaths or, or decorations. That's about the best I can come or up with. Or seeing how we have salt and everything, the day of preserving, the day that you plan for the winter. Or sure. uh, we, don't, we haven't even talked about the weather uh, or the climate of this kind of world or city. Sure. I, I don't see this area, by the way, as being particularly... Temperate or icy. Yeah. I, I don't. I see it certainly something as more that's a little bit hotter. I can see it as as kind of Rome, where there is occasionally snow because it does snow in Rome. Yeah, a rare snow storm. I, I, storm is a strong word, but yeah, I can see like snow tough. exists. Yeah, I, I, but I don't see it as particularly temperate or or cold. I definitely see it as a hotter climate for sure, and not not particularly rainy because I feel like we already got too much water with that and. Might as well. Like I we diverted that, a river here. I if think that there was a river here. We wouldn't have had to divert it, right? I think that that is per, perhaps it is slightly less than rainy, and that is why they diverted the water. I can I can see that as as a reason as to why, and that's where the the city essentially built itself from. I think that's I think that about wraps. It. I think yeah. we've done a really good job today. I I'm happy with it. Yes. Yeah. I I can't. However. If you think that we've missed something incredibly important, vitally important, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com. Now, Chris, what do we want to talk about next time? Because I feel like we have definitely left Hondasa a city of marble. I think we've been incredibly successful in that result. So I think we should go from the city of engineering to our talk about technology and technology on the whole, not just on the scale of this city, but what is everyone doing? What is a baseline? Because say we go to something a little bit advanced in this city, mm-hmm. that's okay. It's the city of engineering. They can do it. 
But I if, imagine it is, in fact, a little bit advanced. Oh yeah, it as should well. be a little bit advanced. Sure, you have that much like a a think tank there. They should be able to develop something. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, what is the baseline? Is everyone currently in the Renaissance gunpowder? How prevalent is gunpowder? I I have thought about several like the levels of technology because mm-hmm. say say certain cities are currently in the Stone Age. They're like a a, a cult where stone rocks, but they are faithful and that is how they are still able to contend on the world stage sure i mean even now there's technological disparities and i think that i think that especially in the up until very recently that disparities in technology existed to an even greater extent than what we're used to now whereas you know in the 1500s a technology or a technologically advanced civilization compared to you know, one that was basically still Stone Age, that that existed. Like, that was a thing. And one of the more important things for the episode that we will do is how important is technology? Like, in medicine, are things cured through divine cures? Or is it, no, no, there's disease and you need to wash your hands? Yeah, all right, I'm, I'm sold on this. Uh, I think that we should definitely talk about technology next time. I think it would help us kind of set a more concrete, it would allow for a more concrete setting and it gives us a better idea of what we can expect uh, from country to country or, or you know, town to town, essentially. Yeah. I, yeah, so next time we'll do technology, do we want to give ourselves homework? Or do we want to just kind of go into a, te- a conversation about technology next time? I'm not sure if it would be homework, but what do you do when you're deciding, like when you're building your world, how do you decide out the technology? Like, do you put a limit? Like, what what's your thought process? Because I feel like that's very important. Because I actually have a particular way that I do it. I think that we should talk about this next time. Right. I think that this is a great starting or a great jumping off point into next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of World Build with us. I am Rob Hilferty, as always, here with Chris Prunty, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. You never said bye.